Open your Bibles to uh, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Uh, let me give you a little bit of history. And at my age, most of my life is history, amen? <laughs> a little bit of history. And in 1968, uh, I was home on furlough from Japan. And uh, I was speaking in a mission conference at the Marquette Manor Baptist Church in Chicago, Illinois. That past church was pastored by Dr. Wayne Van Gildren. And uh, on Monday night and Tuesday night and Wednesday night of that conference, he had a pastor by the name of Dr. Billy McCarroll to come and present to his church the, the method of giving to missions called Faith Promise Giving. Now, uh, I, I had been a uh, Christian for many years. I'd been a pastor for years before I went to Japan. At that time, I'd been in Japan four years, came home on furlough. But I had never heard the term faith promise giving. And uh, so he used chapters 8 and chapters 9 of 2 Corinthians to explain. And I'll never forget, he made three great statements about it about faith promise giving. Number one, he said it's simple. In other words, you have a mission emphasis, you have a mission conference, and somewhere along the line in the conference, usually at the end of the conference, uh, everyone is asked to make a commitment to give something above and beyond the regular tithe and offering to world evangelization on a weekly basis. Uh, you, you have your card. Look at it, okay? Uh, look at your card. Take it out. Look at it. Don't, don't throw it away, okay? And uh, don't be afraid of it. It won't hurt anybody, okay? And it, it simply says, uh, because fulfilling the Great Commission is a personal responsibility. In other words, it's the responsibility of every born-again child of God. I will commit the following in 2022. That's this year. Whatever you gave last year, that's over today. Today you make a new commitment, okay? Uh, I like the weekly amount myself. I think it's a, it's a better system. And uh, you say, well, I like something else. Okay, you can be wrong if you want to, okay? But uh, anyway, uh, you say, well, I don't know how to figure it out. I just get paid once a month. Divide it by four. Uh, if you don't know how to do it, one of these young people up here will do it for you, okay? And uh, uh, a weekly commitment. I will give weekly or monthly or maybe a one-time gift, okay? But uh, don't, don't worry about that, okay? And uh, now, now let, let me give you one verse from the Bible. And uh, we're going to use the Bible a whole lot in just a minute, okay? But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 7, we have this verse. I want you to open your Bibles and look at that with me, okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Now, we're going to look at verse 8 in just a minute. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, look at verse 7, okay? Every man, according as he purposeth in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity, 
for God loveth that you're forgiven. Now that tells us in very simple words, who should give to missions? And the Bible simply says, every man. And sometimes the ladies, when they hear that, they say, amen. Let the men give. But I don't think he's talking about gender. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. By the way, parents, teach your children to give to missions. Uh, you that were in the first service, you heard Nathaniel's testimony. He began, he made a faith promise commitment when he was 12 years old. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say something, and, and I want you to repeat it real loud with me, okay? So the people can hear, maybe wherever they be. And uh, now if you don't do it right the first time, we'll do it over, okay? But I'm going I'm to say something. I want you to repeat it, okay? Everyone giving something. Everyone giving something. Now that's fair, okay? Once again. Everyone giving something. Everyone giving something. And everyone giving more. Than they ever gave before. Now don't take a rocket scientist to figure it out. If everybody gave something, and everybody gave more than they've ever given before, then your mission giving will increase exponentially. Okay. So in reality, it's fair. But this is what Dr. Billy McCarroll said, and I listened to him very intently. I had lunch with him on Monday, or on Tuesday, lunch with him on Wednesday, and I, I picked his brain. I got everything I could out of. I don't know if the church learned it or not. But I did, okay? But here's the statement he made. He said, number one, it's simple. You have a mission conference. You have a mission emphasis. That sometimes everybody is asked to make a commitment to give something every week above their regular time and offering. And I thought, simple. I like that. Uh, I think it's Abraham Lincoln that said, God must have made sim love simple people. He made so many of us. Uh, some preachers have a very difficult time, brother, with preaching simple sermons. I've never had that problem in my life. I just preach everything I know, okay? And, and it's simple, okay? And then he said, it's successful. And I thought, that's good. You're going to do something, you might as well do it right. You want to see it succeed and so forth. It's successful. And he gave illustration after illustration after illustration of churches that were giving just nominally to missions, and they began what they call faith promise giving. And every year it grew and grew and grew, and they were giving much more than they thought they could have ever given. So it's successful. And I thought, that's good. And then he said, it's scriptural. And I thought, okay, even though it's simple and successful, if it's not scriptural, then we don't have to pay too much attention to it. But if it is scriptural, then we need to listen to it. Amen. So you have your Bibles open to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. And I'm just going verse by verse here, just for a few minutes. I'll, I'll be through less than an hour and a half, okay? 
But uh, j- just for a minute, let's just look at it. the biblical basis. The biblical basis for faith promise giving. Look at chapter 8, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. All right? Here's what's happening. Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he is urging them to get involved in an offering. Now, you read all of chapter 8, all of chapter 9, it's all about an offering. Now, he's writing to the church at Corinth, but this offering was not for the church at Corinth. Okay? The offering was to be given through the church, but it was going to others. Hey, by the way, that's missions. Okay? So it's simple. It's successful, and it's scripture. So look at it, if you will. And Paul is writing to the church of Corinth, and what he's doing is he's using the churches of Macedonia as an example. You do that as a family. Uh, son, why don't you clean your room like your sister? Simple answer, I'm not a girl, okay? But, uh, you know, uh, or, or you say to one good student in the family, why don't you study like your brother? Or, you know, in other words, you use somebody as an example that others ought to follow. And, and Paul is saying to the church, he's going, hey, I want you to see what the Lord is doing through the churches in Macedonia. What kind of churches were they? He said, how that in a great trial of affliction. Number one, they were going through great affliction. Okay. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their labor. Think about it. He said, these churches in Macedonia, they're going through great affliction. Now, by the way, you can't have affliction and fun at the same time. Now, I'm not against having fun. I love to have fun. But you can't have affliction and fun. But guess what? You can have affliction and joy at the same time. I remember when Joe and Tana Collins, their five children were killed in a plane crash flying from Bangkok, Thailand, over into Kathmandu, Nepal. And I had a call. Joe's the mother and dad. Hannah's mother and dad. Tell them about the death of their daughter and their son and their five grandchildren. The amazing thing is, even though they were going through some great affliction, and I've seen this time after time after time. And, and I've, I've gone to the hospital, what do you call it, uh, to comfort somebody in the hospital. And I leave there, they've comforted me because even though they're going through affliction, they have joy. You see, joy does not depend on our situation. Joy depends on our relationship to the Lord. And then he said, 
And they were in deep poverty. They were in deep poverty. So they didn't give anything. No, look at it. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty. By the way, kind of poverty we don't know anything about today, okay? Look at it. What happened? Abounded under the riches of their liberality. Even though they were going through great problems, great trials, they have given liberally. Hey, by the way, I tell churches all over the world, doctrinally, you ought to be fundamental. And then sometimes somebody looks down their scholarly nose and say, oh, you fundamentalist. And I tell people, anybody that has one eye and half sense would be, ought to be a fundamentalist. You know what a fundamentalist is? A fundamentalist is somebody that goes by the word. That's simple. You go to the doctor. You go to a liberal doctor or a fundamental doctor? Okay, you've got appendicitis. No problem. Jump up on this table here. I'll get my pocket knife out. Don't worry about the anesthetic. Don't worry about it. No, no. You say, well, wait a minute. Hey, hey, doc, go by the book. Amen. <laughs> hey, that's what a fundamentalist is. It's just somebody that goes by the book. The book says it. We do it. But in our giving, we ought to be liberals. Hey, by the way, check what you spend your other money for and check what you're giving to missions and see if it's really liberal. Okay? So they were poor, okay? Look at verse 3. For to their power, now he's still talking about these poor Christians in Macedonia. He's still talking about an offering that they're going to send back to Jerusalem to help the people back there. It's something outside of their own church. That's missions, okay? And notice what he said. For to their power, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. All right? Every member of Arise Baptist Church today will give in one of three ways. Sad to say, some will give nothing. Now, I hope you prove me wrong today. I hope every one of you do something. Okay? Nothing, obviously, is below your power. And then even the average Christian, they're going to give below their power, less than what they really could do. So some give below their power. Some give according to their power. What does that mean? It means I, I, I look at my salary, I look at my budget, and I say, I can figure out I could give $20 a week or $50 a week or $100 a week, whatever. I can figure that out. That's according to my power. But the strange thing is, these poor people gave above their power. How do you give more than you can? What if I would say, you know, I can figure out I could give $50 a week to missions. And God said, no, 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 Don. Why don't you give $50? Why don't you give $100 a week? Well, I can't figure that out. Yeah, but God puts that on my heart. 
what would it take? It would take faith. Hey, by the way, without faith, we cannot please God. What we do without faith is not pleasing to God. So some gave below their power. Some gave according to their power. And some gave beyond their power. Now, look, look at verse 4. You see something strange here, okay? Paul said, these Macedonian Christians was praying us. They were begging us. And that's what the word prayer means. Asking, begging, and so forth. Praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. You know what he said? These Macedonian Christians, the church Macedonian, the church is Macedonian, they were begging us, missionaries, to take their offering. Wow. Would that be a switch or not? Hey, listen. If every church did what they ought to do, then the pastor would have to be continually calling somebody like BIMI or some other organization and saying, hey, God's people are giving this money. We need some missionaries to help them go and preach the gospel to people who have never heard so they can get saved like we got saved. I like the next verse. And this they did. In other words, these churches in Macedonia, they gave so liberally. And this they did. Not as we hope, but they first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. What does God want from each of you this morning more than anything else? You say, well, obviously the way you're talking about giving money, uh, he wants my money. And that's a joke. God does not need your money. Okay? I mean, after all, he created the entire universe. It all belongs to him. What does God want more? More than anything else, God wants you. God wants you. I mean, he wants your time. He wants your talents. He wants your, he wants you. It's like the little boy that pastor talked about at the end of service this morning. When they were taking an offering for missions, and it's a true story. Uh, I think it was Robert Moffat when he heard David Livingston preach. That they passed the offering plate. The little boy had nothing. And he, he said to one of the ushers, Sir, would you put the offering plate down on the floor? And, and you know, the usher every day thought, This is strange. But the little boy is very serious. So he put the offering plate down on the floor. And, and the little boy just stepped up in the offering plate and said, I don't have any money to give, but I'll give myself to God. That's what God wants more than anything else from you. By the way, I got a good secret for you. If God has you, he has all of you. He has your pocketbook too, amen. Remember Dr. Lee Robinson baptized a man one time. He said, Dr. Robinson, I forgot to take my billfold out of my pocket. 
And Dr. Ron says, that's all right, you Bill, for need to be baptized too, amen. <laughs> but think about it. Now, uh, oh, skip down. Look at verse 8. Paul is urging the church at Corinth. Like, I'm urging the Arise Baptist Church this morning. Same thing, okay? And, and notice what he says. I, I love this, okay? Paul said, concerning this offering, okay? I speak not by commandment. All right? Faith, promise, commitment. Faith, promise, giving is not something I have to do. It is not a commandment. You say, well, then why make a big deal about it? All right, read the there's the verse. I speak not by commandment, but by the occasion and the forwardness of others. This is what he's saying. Hey, look what others are doing. Look what the church says at Macedonia, those poor churches, look what they are doing. Now, you folks in Corinth, you're very prosperous, and they were. So look what they are doing. Hey, by the way, look what the missionaries are doing. In other words, since others are doing this, then should not you do that? So he said, I speak not by commandment, but I want you to see what others are doing. And then he said, this is a killer, okay? and to prove the sincerity of your love. Any of you fellas ever be telling your wife how much you loved her? Oh, I love you, darling. You know, on and on. You're really laying it on. And she says, hey, remember that dress I've been wanting? <laughs> remember that living room suit I've been wearing? You really love me that much. Okay, prove it. I think that's what the Lord is saying. I speak not by commandment, but the occasion of the fortunes of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. I, I know a lot of the ladies that love their hairdos and their cosmetics more than they do missions. And by the way, I'm not against hairdos, and I'm not against cosmetics. In fact, it, it did my wife so much good to get her hair done. I'd have taken a part-time job just to get it done. So I'm not against hairdos. I'm not against cosmetics. In fact, I tell people all over the world, every lady, do the best you can with what you've got, okay? But wouldn't it be something if I stood before Jesus and realized I gave more my hair do, my cosmetics, things of that nature, than I did for world evangelization. That's good preaching, isn't it, man? Do you dare say amen? <laughs> hey, by the way, ladies, I'll help you. Okay? I know a lot of men that spend a whole lot more for fishing and hunting and four-wheel drives 
that never get off the pavement. Huh? You, you think about it. The money they spent. And, and again, I'm not against fishing. I'm not against honey. I mean, you know, I don't particularly like either one of them much. Okay. So I'm not against fishing. I'm not against honey. But I, I would hate to think that uh, I had to stand before the Lord and I stood, paid more for my four-wheel drive, my motorcycle, my toys. Okay. Only difference between a man and a toy and a boy is the price of his toys. Okay. What's Paul saying? I want you to prove the sincerity. You say you love me. You say you love what I love. You say you love a lost and dying world. That many of them have never heard the gospel one time. You say you love me. Okay. Then prove it. Prove it. By the way, if I had spare time, if I had spare money, I, I wouldn't spend it on God or on uh, honey and fishing. I would spend that on something profitable like God, okay? And I like God. But I sure hate to think I got before God and I spent more time, more money, more effort on some entertainment than I had on world evangelization. Bottom line, why should I give anyway? Why should I give? By the way, listen to it again. I speak not by commandment. Don't ever think you have to do anything. You don't, you don't have to give to missions. It's not a command. I, I think sometimes we need to reprogram our minds the way we reprogram our computers. I think you can do that. I know practically nothing about computers, okay? How many times you ask Well, it's Sunday. We have to go to church. They're passing the offering plate. We have to put something in. It's visitation time. We have to go soul winning. Huh? God's called me to preach. God's called me to be. I have. Hey, let's change our thinking today, okay? It's Sunday. I get to go to church. Okay? They're passing the offering. I have something I get to give. God's called me to preach. I want to preach. God's called me to the mission field. I want to go to the mission field. So serving God is not something we have to do. Thank God it's something we get to do. Bottom line, look at it. Verse 9. Now remember, Paul is writing to Christians. Notice what he says. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye might through his poverty might be rich, that you through his poverty. Now, look what he said. He didn't say, 
Now you know about the grace of God. No, 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 no. It's only for you know personally. You have experienced the grace of God. How many of you could say today, I know I'm saved going to heaven. Lift your hands real high, okay? All right. Then you know and you know and you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. That not of yourself. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should be. So he's saying, now you know the grace. That though he was rich, oh, how rich he was. Hey, I mean, after all, he created the entire universe by his word. He spoke it into existence. Through faith, we believe that the world, not just this little planet Earth, but the worlds were formed by the word of God. I've had people say, well, brother says you went to school in Kentucky and you're old and you probably never heard about the Big Bang Theory. Hey, I believe in the Big Bang Theory. I really do. God spoke, and bang, there it was. Amen? If you don't believe that's true, read Genesis 1. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. God said, and it was. How rich he was. The entire universe belonged to him. All the created beings bowed down and worshipped him. And he left all of that. Came to this earth as a servant. Lived a perfect life for some 33 and a half years. Was beaten with rods. He scourged with the cat of nine tails. They put a crown of thorn on his head. They led him out to Calvary. And they crucified him. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor. Nobody ever was as low as he was when all the sins of the world were placed on him. All I can say today is, if God hadn't done anything for you, then don't even think about giving to the Lord. Huh? But if he has, all of us, all of us ought to search our hearts and think, okay, is the gift I'm giving to world evangelization, the amount I'm committing, is that really proving the sincerity of my love? Am I really being generous or liberal? in my giving. Listen to it again. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl giving something. It's by our heads for prayer. Dear Lord, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts today 
We're not begging anybody for money. This is not a way to raise money. This is a way to raise your people. Lord, you could do it some other way. But in your mercy, in your grace, you have given us the privilege of being a part of what you are doing. Now I pray you to help each of us to look at it like that. Lord, I pray you'll have your will and way. There's somebody listening today, either here, online, or anytime they'd hear what's been said. May they realize that more than anything else, you want them. You want their soul. You want their life. You want us. That's an amazing thing. We're not anything, but you want us. Now, Lord, speak to our hearts today. With our heads bowed and eyes closed, would you stop and think for just a minute? What should I put on this card today? What commitment should I make? Dear Lord, speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. Look, take your card, would you? And uh, take a pen if you don't need a, if you have, don't have a pen. There's one in front of you. Okay. Look at it again. Because fulfilling the Great Commission is personal responsibility. In other words, I have a responsibility. I will commit to the following in 2022. We did this in early service. Pastor Will had you do this at once. They were there. I think it'd be a good idea. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed. You pray. Now with your eyes open and you're looking at the commitment card. Would you ask God, God, what do you want me to do? Every man, according as he purposes in his heart. Let God speak to your heart. Then, then put that amount on the card. And then there's the pianist place. Uh, maybe you'd like to do this. Just bring that card and just lay it on the altar here. God speaks to your heart. You've laid out your card. you made the commitment. Just, just bring your card and maybe as you bring it, you'd like to stay just a minute and ask God to help you to fulfill that commitment. Okay?